sports, but we came here to win. The most legit podcast, that's why we know you're tuning in. We cover the biggest news, we underdogs, but we can't lose. So trust the process, yes you, because we got Chris and Anju to bless you. With the best features, best stories, we diving deep like a Lambo leak. Wake up, kid, and stop snoring, we on point just like this beat. Bring the passion like the dog pound. In the cold, get a gold brand. Sit back and raise the cat, because we start this show like right now. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of The Underdog. Chris Warwardale, joined by Anshu Kana. Anshu! Chris! How you doing, buddy? Good, how's it going? Oh, you know, I can't complain. Who would listen if I did? <laughs> well, we'll find out when we check the traffic on your last <laughs> show with Greg. <laughs> yeah, everybody If everybody wants to hear two, you know, grownish men complain about pretty much everything that they hate in the world... From restaurants to, uh, you know, companies to mm. just really the, the small eccentricities of life. <laughs> go wow, back, to, yeah. go back to last week's episode. I believe it was one twenty four of "You're Wrong and Here's Why," entitled "Chris and Greg Complain About Things." Check it out, and you'll feel better about your life. <laughs> Maybe, or Maybe. you'll just find, or you'll it'll just lead to a downward spiral of complaining on your That's, about your own lives. That's true. It may it may occur to you if look if you're happy with your life, don't listen to it. But because uh, there's a chance it will lead to a, like a downward pit of despair kind of deal. So, you know what? Let's just say listen to it and let me know how it goes. Anyway, a lot going on. Uh, giant coaching news today came out of absolute nowhere. Let's start off with the the like major story of, I'm going to say the major story of June. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it's the Ooh, biggest wow. story of June so far. Okay. Uh, and that is Brad okay. Stevens, Boston Celtics. Exactly. Boston Celtics head coach Brad Stevens is going upstairs. He's going to become the Celtics' new president of basketball operations, replacing Danny Ainge, who is walking away from the role and retiring. How'd you feel about this one? I'm a Brad Stevens fan. Me too. And I'm surprised, I would say, at the fact that he is taking that role. When I initially saw the tweet, I think, from Woj, I, I assumed that he was going to try to do both. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like in a prime Popovich sort of way, right? Like where he gets to sort of inform the personnel decisions more than he might have otherwise been. But I, I mean, I'm sure he was doing that anyway. And now it sounds like he's just going to bail on the coaching aspect, which um, obviously is per, his is his prerogative. And it sounds like he got pretty burnt out. I mean, it's it's hard to track exactly what happened here, whether it was Ainge leaving by choice and that it was years in the making. I think I saw one of those that Ainge wanted to leave for a while and Boston simply, you know, didn't want that to happen. And mm-hmm. and then what or was it Stevens basically saying, like, I still want to be involved in the organization, but I just don't want to coach anymore. Or was it, you know, Ainge being essentially ousted after yet another way too early exit for Boston. Right. And and, you know, and trying to keep Stevens essentially in house and his brain in house and, and you know the idea that maybe he also lost the locker room so there's a lot going on here and one great basketball mind in my opinion and one whose mind i think will hey i mean history will probably see it as an above average but very much a like a tormented one in many ways right who, who sorry who we're talking about Ainge? yeah like Ainge. I think Ainge did a good job overall at like navigating oh, I don't know. the just navigating like the the value of the players at times, but then he never he was just so indecisive. I think that's like the book on Danny Ainge. 
Yeah, well, here's my thing about Ainge. Indecisiveness is obviously the biggest issue with Ainge. And when you talked about, you laid out those three possibilities of what could have happened behind the scenes, I tend to go to the last of which. I tend to think that that Ainge was maybe politely told that, "Eh, you know what, your future here is uh, in the past, as it were. (laughs) And, uh, And that probably coincided with Stevens feeling burned out. It is crazy to me that that Brad Stevens is talking about being burned out, and I'm not minimizing how difficult being a basketball coach is in the National Basketball Association. It's incredibly demanding. But Stevens is 44 years old. He's still one of the younger coaches in the NBA. And a guy who, you know, if you go back to that, I guess, 2016-2017 season, he's looked at as maybe the rising star and the future of coaching in the NBA when he led the Celtics to that 53-win season, followed by 55 the next year. And then it just kind of went down. And then down. And then down. Granted, yeah. 2019-2020 was a shortened season, but still, as was this, but still they wouldn't have made up the difference. The winning percentage was only at 50% this year. Ah, man. I feel like there's a lot going on here. And Ainge, his memory is forever going to be tarnished by the draft pick debacle. And mm. let this be a lesson to Sam Presti right now. Yes, absolutely. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. You those picks are where we've talked about it before. Those picks are shiny packages with a big mm-hmm. question mark box. But they, you know, there's just as good of a chance, if not more of a chance, of those busting out than that they become Jason Tatum. And really, in retrospect, like plenty of good picks on Ainge's ledger, but also plenty of misses, and ultimately never able to piece together the package with all those picks to get the big fish, you know, I mean, he just clutched picks like, you know, Mm. like they were like, they were all going to be sure hits. And, and that, that ultimately was his demise, you know, like, I mean, had he gotten, had he done what he needed to do to get Anthony Davis at one point, had he done what he needed to do to get some of the other pieces, you know, maybe we're talking about a different story today. That is exactly what I was thinking. There is no reason that, and this is what makes me think there's no chance that Ainge was just getting burned out either. Because if that were the case, I think he would be more inclined to put all the chips in the, in the center of the table and go get a superstar and try to win. But mm-hmm. I, that's why I think he was ousted. But there's no reason. Look, if if Anthony Davis is sitting on the bench for the, Cel- the Celtics right now instead of the Lakers, is, is Kyrie Irving still a, a Celtic? And is do they have is their big three Kyrie, Jason Tatum, and and Anthony Davis? Yeah, I mean, I Kyrie is just a totally different animal in my mind. So yeah, he's, he's crazy, but he never had he you know he never had the Anthony Davis to play with. Jason Tatum wasn't Jason Tatum. Yeah, no, that, I mean that's that's true and and fair and a fair criticism. Um, I think in his mind, like and and to me too. They clutched, and, you know, like, we could talk about the picks, but Jalen Brown was always, like, the guy they just refused to, it seems like, let go. Yeah. And that was, ultimately, I like, that's a big part of this, too, is, like, it's not just the prospects. They're, like, the potential prospects that they could have had, the picks mm. that were years into the future. Um, it was also, like, the young guys that they were so wedded to. And, and like, you see that, of course, across the league, but you also have to know when to, you know, when a guy's stock is maximized. And I think that 
Jalen Brown is is a perfect example of that. And he's a good, you know, fine player. He's a very good player. Fine player, but he is not, like you say, Anthony Davis. And, you know, there was a time when it seemed like that was very much a possibility for them. And even, look, I think, obviously, you saw it firsthand, but Tatum, Tatum's a very, like, an excellent player. He could be... Yeah probably the second best player on a champion and you know I think he might be I think he might be the best player on a championship maybe, team honestly maybe. I think he's taken that leap this year he's I mean he's awesome and so that's a credit to Ainge and to Stevens too but you know at the same time it's like you get one of those guys out of however many that's still good but like you also have to find that second and third and fourth best player on those teams and I like they took so many shots at the dartboard when they could have just you know pieced a bunch of them together, still gotten Tatum and added another bona fide second best, uh, best or second best player. And you're right. You know, Tatum wasn't fully realized when they got, when they had Kyrie. And I'm mm. not sure that those two are like a great fit next to each other anyway, but yeah, they like, they weren't at the time. It just would have maybe expedited the Tatum ascent much more quickly. Yeah. They had that other beast probably. Yeah, I do think we underrate Jalen Brown a little bit. I think Jalen Brown's another guy who took that leap this year. You look at the numbers, and I know counting stats aren't everything, but he also plays defense, so that that really goes into this. Almost 25 points a game, almost 40. He shot 39.7% on seven attempts from three, and uh, he's got that free throw percentage up to 76%. Brown is a guy who I think, man, he is... He's miscast on this team just because there's too many similarities in the way he and Tatum play. But he's a guy who could really break out on another team. They, and they have needed to trade him for a while. I do also think that when you talk about Brown and Tatum, there are kind of asterisks that go next to both of them in terms of developing into a super, you know, superstar level players, near superstar level players, in, in terms of their acquisitions. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. with Tatum... Oh, I know. The story is Danny Ainge was going to take Jason Tatum number one and blah, 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 and all that. Guess what? The reality is, if you think Jason Tatum's going to be Jason Tatum, you don't risk moving down to three for the chance to get a yeah. top 10 pick next year. Yeah. Complete BS after the fact nonsense. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. And that's why they asked for so much to move down. And, you know, they got they, what they got was Romeo Langford at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I mean, at that time, it felt like. It definitely felt like a haul for them, you know? Like, I mean, you should know of anyone that it felt like a lot. I But, you know, at the same time, I, I agree. Like, he obviously would not have taken Tatum one. Like, there's just no way I'm buying that in any world. So, you know, and yeah, like, getting back to the Jalen Brown point, fine, good player. That is like the book on Ainge, though. You know, like, they get they have these good players that they've pieced together, but they've also had, like, mm-hmm. so many busts and ultimately just never able to, you know... And and they, you know, there was a time when after they, they you know, slash and burn and they trade Garnett and Pierce and all that, where they had these, all these Brooklyn picks, that, like, yep. it felt like they were, and this is bringing a full circle to what you said about Presti, I mean, this is, like, exactly the position that the Thunder are in and, like, you know, or were in and, and, you know, even New Orleans to a certain extent at one point, but, like, this is, it's a cautionary tale for sure. And it's like, they, they had the whole world in front of them. And if you had, if you had said like, oh, and by the way, they're going to have a top 10 player in the league in 2021 mm-hmm. and Jason Tatum, like, or top 20 player at worst, you know, like that's, 
yeah, that, that you'd probably feel pretty good about where they stood. And you add, I still think Brad Stevens is probably a top five coach too. Um, and so like they were in a good spot to, to maximize everything. It just never like came together for them because again, of the indecisiveness, the timing was everything. And they were always just, just a little too prospect clutchy to, yeah. to make that next, take that step. Absolutely. Like I said, there's no reason whatsoever Anthony Davis isn't on the bench for the Celtics watching that team lose in the playoffs today. But, <laughs> <clears throat> um, and the, but the Jalen Brown point that I wanted to make in terms of the, the draft, and this, is, this actually reflects really poorly on both franchises, as a matter of fact, but uh, I don't know if you know this story. That pick, uh, that number three overall pick, which was the Ben Simmons draft, mm-hmm. the Celtics and the 76ers agreed to a trade that was going to send Jalil Okafor and a future first round pick for that number three pick. The Sixers, the Sixers backed out. And now, yeah, bad. This looks bad. This looks really bad for the Celtics right now. It looks really bad for the Sixers because they backed out. And also the word was that they wanted that pick to take Chris Dunn. Oh God. (laughs) Oh, that was the draft when the bulls were going to trade, uh, I guess it would have been Jimmy Butler that year to mm. go up and get Chris Dunn. Um, yeah. Wow. And you would, you would get him years later. So you would, one year every, later. everything worked out for you. Yeah. Great. Amazing. <laughs> but um, that's, no, that's yeah. a guy I was very wrong that's on, wild. by the way. I'll take my credit. I'll take my lumps for that. Uh, yeah, it is what it is. I think most, a lot of people liked him. That draft actually really interesting. The 2016 draft where Simmons goes one, Brandon Ingram goes two. And then mm-hmm. the Celtics with that Brooklyn pick take Jalen Brown, of course, and then seven, the Denver Nuggets with a pick used from the Knicks take Jamal Murray, mm-hmm. and then Demontis Sabonis goes eleven. So this is like one of those pretty interesting drafts with a lot of good players that you know. And again, credit to Ainge because Jalen Brown is probably you know maybe he's not the third best player, but certainly a hit at three to to get him there. So, but you know, you get a top three pick. I think you're hoping more for a guy like Simmons or Ingram, and you wind up with. Brown, and that's kind of like the story to me on them, on the Ainge era. Well, and that 2016 draft is also a great example of how you just never know what a player is going to become. Because you talk about those guys at the top, you talk about Sabonis going 11, but from 27 to 36, you get Siakam, DeJounte Murray, and Mm -hmm. Malcolm Brogdon all drafted. Wow, yep. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty interesting. And and other players, like Scalabizier. (laughs) Yes, and others, like... Zubak, but uh, no, yeah, it's, but yeah, that like whatever. It, it's interesting though with the with the Celtics what they do next at coach because you know there's there are some rumors about the types of guy of the types of people that they might be looking at at um, hiring for that spot, and I do think that like you say, I mean Tatum is so good, and that is such a you know a starved and really like invested fan base. It's a good job to have. Oh, yeah. Sure. So it'll be interesting to see who they end up with and how Brad Stevens changes the uh, like the approach. Because he doesn't strike me necessarily as the most aggressive-minded uh, general no. manager either or a president of basketball ops either. No, and the problem, this I have no doubt that Brad Stevens is a really good basketball mind and that he'll do perfectly well as president of basketball operations. But the issue I think they're going to run into is when you have a team that is kind of sputtered and and gotten to its peak Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. you need a change. Yeah. And the, the change isn't bringing in, putting a guy in charge of the whole organization who already has pre-existing ties to these players. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's very, very true. And I, you know, I think that that's kind of like what they're saying. I mean, that's that it did seem like part of the story here, too, is like that the, the players had tuned him out to some extent. And that's I mean, it shocks me in some ways because I do. He does seem like such a genuinely good dude and like very much invested and very intelligent. But, um, you know, you got to be able to motivate and give certain players free reign. And I think that's like that's also the divide between lifelong college coaches and pro coaches. And I like Stevens maybe didn't bridge that gap super well for them. Yeah, I have. Uh, I've been busy all day. I have not seen any names attached as potential candidates. Who's uh, who's been mentioned? Oh, well, it's been um, Becky Hammond is a name. Um, they have. Oh, boy, that feels like that's not the way to go. If you're looking for somebody who's a, a, a locker room that's already tuned out a coach. I think maybe that's not the place to go and give the first female head coach, you know, her opportunity. Yeah, I, yeah, and I, I will, we'll have to see about that. I, I'm not sure, but they have a, they had another assistant that apparently is very, um, very popular. It's a, it's a female assistant. So I'm interested to see which way they go there because I think, you know, it's an opportunity. It is an amazing job, and if they're, you know, if Brad Stevens does, um, you know, embolden whatever the coach, whoever the coach is, then like I think that that's. It really doesn't matter that much how much the players tune her or him out as long as, you know, really as long as Tatum is good with it. And that's the other surprising thing because it's not a bad, like, when I think of the players on the team, Mm -hmm. there aren't a lot of, like, bad or selfish dudes in my mind. Like Tatum, Brown, you know, Kemba, like, they're... They're pretty good, dude. There's no oh, yeah. Kyrie's on that in that bunch. So yeah, yeah. I think Marcus Smart is probably difficult, but he's also probably the kind of guy if he was on your team, you yeah. would really like him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. So we'll see which way they go. And now Daniel Tice is gone. That's just the one guy I couldn't stand on that team. Oh, oh. God, I hated Daniel Tice. <laughs> the Bulls' problem, at least for yeah. now. I don't look. I don't know that he's a bad guy. I just he he looks like he should be the henchman for the bad guy in a Die Hard movie. <laughs> I like that. That's that seems very apt. I'm looking at the list right now. Some of the names that have been brought up. This is uninspiring. The uh, I don't see Hammond on the list, but I certainly believe you. And God knows a ton's going to come out. Uh, but hmm. Jay Laranega is the assistant that you were talking about. Um, mm. Jerome Allen's on that list. Scott Morrison, who I do not know who he is. Jason Kidd and Lloyd Pierce. Oh, gross. That is a rough group. Well, Coach yeah. K is gone. Maybe he's looking for a job. I mean, Boston's never hired a, uh, a high-profile college basketball coach that has failed, right? No. I mean, well, it's they, they work out for eight years, apparently. So does <laughs> Coach K have eight years left? <laughs> not Patino or... Uh, oh, yeah. that's certainly true. Um, <laughs> yeah. Did you... Did you have that thought at all when you heard this news that Coach K? Well, obviously, the next thing is that Coach K announces he's going to step down after this season, uh, which you know came out a little bit after the fact, uh, and, and looks like John Shire is going to take over the uh, the the top seat. Mm-hmm. Did you have that thought when it came out? Like, oh, is Coach K going to go to the Celtics? No. <laughs> I, although he's like, no, he no, no, he's a college basketball like lifer. You know, he. He thrives on the like the paternal-esque, you know, czarness of the, the town, you know, like he mm-hmm. needs to be in charge of 
everything. He likes to be in charge of the, you know, right down to the student newspaper. So I don't think he'd do super well in Boston. <laughs> I don't think that one's a little out of his control. Although, you know, who knows? Maybe he, you know, he wants to scratch that last itch on his way out. And I don't know. So it, it looks like Scott Morrison is uh, another one of the Celtics assistants. As is, I didn't realize Jerome Allen was also uh, an assistant in Boston. Yeah, Pierce, Jason Kidd. Then, then there's some interesting other names that I'm seeing here on uh, NBC Sports Boston. This one would hurt me because I want him. I'm not naive to believe we're going to get to keep him very long, but I'd like to keep him on that bench as long as possible. That's Sam Cassell uh, with the 76ers. Oh, yeah. I think Sam is going to be a great head coach, and he's an invaluable piece to this team. Uh, Chauncey Billups is on the list. Juwan Howard's on the list. Becky Hammond's on the list. Ime Adoku, who we both know well mm-hmm. from being courted as a bull and, uh, and eventually getting and well being an assistant head uh, assistant in Philadelphia and Duke head women's basketball coach Carol Lawson. Wow. Yeah. I, uh, I, that, this that's this might be the woman that you were talking about because Lawson was a, spent a year as a Celtics assistant before taking the Duke job. That might be. Yeah. That that's probably who I was thinking of. Um, yeah, oh God, I mean, there's more. And Kendrick Perkins is on the list. No, no that's a no. Um, as is, as is Kevin Garnett. How about that? What? No. Um, I no. I what's your okay? I, I'm very curious why you had that response. But what's your what's your issue with Garnett? I mean, he's aside not, from the fact that he has no experience, that's that's exactly it. No, I like. I mean, I think he could probably be a good coach, but I don't believe he has literally any experience. Like not in the no, front he did, he office, doesn't. not in like at least with Steve Nash, you know, he had some experience dabbling in the front offices. Um, Steve Kerr, kind of same thing. This mm-hmm. is, this would be out of the clear blue sky. So, I mean, I, I you got to have a little bit of experience in either the personnel side or the coaching side. Jason Kidd did all right for a while. Yeah, he did. He did fine, and that he wasn't fine. Although he well, yeah. he wasn't fine for a lot of external reasons, though. Yeah, he's just—I mean, he's crazy. But I, I'm yeah. interested to see if if Stevens has. I gotta think that he's got someone earmarked, right? Like he's got to be—he's got to be thinking that I'm taking this job, and this is the person that's going to report to me and kind of execute my vision of how coaching yeah, the Boston Celtics ought to be. I'll tell you what, if. Uh... If some of these young guys are starting to get big heads and don't want to listen to coaching, Garnett's an interesting guy to have in the room. He is not going to put up with that shit. (laughs) He is. Yeah. If you're looking for a, uh, a change in mindset and voice. Yes. I think that Kevin Garnett would be a, an inspired hire. All right. Here's what I'm going with. I'm going to make this decision for Brad Stevens. Uh, we're going to, we're going to have, we're going to have coach K step down right now. He's going to, he's done at, at Duke. He's going to be the head coach for three years with Kevin Garnett as his assistant. <laughs> they probably have experience on one of those dream teams, I got to think. I think this is a great idea. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. And I want to see... Is that as a, a Sixers fan, style. Chris, or as a, a Celtics fan? Or as, a, as, uh, as, yeah. a, as an NBA fan and a fan of fun stories, I okay. think that that's interesting. Look, I would, be, I would be very upset if Coach K was a Celtics coach because he brings credibility to that job immediately. And he has connections with absolutely everybody. Yeah, I mean, that part is true. I am not... Oh, and Tatum... Coach K's bullet. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, there you go. I, I think we know who's going to win the Tatum Brown <laughs> little <laughs> battle in that situation. Yes. Yeah. Um, good, but, good luck on your new team, Jalen. <laughs> that's right. 
Yeah, I, I don't. I don't see. I don't see Brad Stevens hiring Coach K to report to him. But that'd be cool. This is this is amazing. I want it. I want and I want a hard knock style, or actually better would be an all or nothing style where we just follow the Celtics the entire season and we get to see Coach K. We get to see the other Coach Kevin. We uh, we get to see the Celtics team. Coach I'm K and this. Coach KG. Yeah, there you go. How did I miss that? <laughs> How did I miss that when I when I was saying that? How did, that I'm genuinely uh, genuinely disappointed in myself. Okay. I, I, am yeah, too, I, I know, and it's one it's one forty seven, and it's been a long day. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Fascinating though. What you what did you make moving away from the Celtics? What did you make of the news that Coach K is going to step down? Uh, I mean, not surprising. Just you know, Roy Williams obviously stepping away this year. You got to think Bayheim's soon to be following and. Um, it was interesting that a couple of the tweets came out after that said like the way that college basketball is moving is really like away from what coach K, you know, thrives on. I I mean, I think that, you know, I, I I can imagine not to be ageist, but like, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. sure it's tough for him to keep up with like the transfer portals and all that. Like it's a lot easier to hone in on a certain class of players, you know, four years in advance, especially when you are the brand and now, it's just it's just not the case, and then the NBA is going to be allowing these players in, and then you've got this all the stuff we talked about last week and the week before with you know the G League and G League and everything and like international waters and and leagues, and I think that that's it's going to make it very a lot more difficult to be that czar of you know of a campus and to you know continue the excellence that that Coach K has achieved over the last two or three decades. So. I, I, yeah, I mean, it's not shocking to me, and I I am interested about how Shire will do because I don't, I he doesn't strike me as a type to be a really great hire um, as a as a as the heir to the Coach K throne. I think that a guy like Brad Stevens might have been a, a potential hire, you know, instead. But you know, I mean, I I just I never Shire never struck me as a type to have that kind of like gravitas that maybe Coach K would try to yield his throne to, you know? Well, it feels like he just kind of won the lottery. It was a, it was a game of musical chairs, and he just yeah. happened to be the lead assistant who yes. hadn't taken another job. That's right. Like, he's much less, you know, ballyhooed than the guys like, you know, like Woj, Dawkins. Yeah, Woj, Johnny Dawkins, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Woj, Woj is a good point, too. I And, you know, none of those guys have succeeded, really, obviously, right. either, so... But Coach K is just so well connected that I would have thought that somebody would have come, you know, if he, it would be one final salvo for Coach K to be like, and by the way, I set this all up so that you have, you know, I don't know who, but some, whoever to follow me. Chris Beard. Chris Beard is who I was thinking, but he obviously just took that job or, um, who cares? Yeah. You leave for Duke. Yeah. I don't know though. So I, we've talked about this in the past, but like, I'm not sure Duke and, you know, Duke was a zero before Coach K, and I know that you could say that about a lot of programs. Huh. Well, it was in like the 1920s, but sure. It was like, no, I whatever. know, just counting, I know. it feels like it was that long ago, <laughs> but like how much was Coach K the reason why Duke became Duke? I mean, we'll see, but Shire has, is going to have a lot of pressure on him for sure to, to take that job and keep anything that Coach K had going rolling. Yeah, I'm looking to see when Shashevsky took over. I want to say like 89, uh, 85, 88 maybe. Uh, so he took over Duke in, well, this this all starts in, yeah, it was uh, 1980. 
1980-1981 season, he came over from uh, five years in Army. Okay, got it. And then they win with Billis, right, in 89 or something? And then, uh, or what, I don't see. know, I don't know the timeline. I was like three years Final old. four. <laughs> uh, NCAA champion in, I'm seeing 90-91. Okay. Uh, so it, it took 10 Hill. years. No, Grand Hill was 93. This team was... I want to say Billis and Woj, probably, actually. Was Billis 90? Yeah. I'm is pretty he, sure about Is that. he younger than I think he is? No, this is this is Shane Battier and Jay Williams. He was not. They were not. On that's no, 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 no. That's nine. That's, that's like two thousand two. That's yeah. that's t- exactly ten years later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's incorrect. This ninety team was Christian Leitner, Grant Hill, Bobby Hurley, Antonio Lang, etc. That that was the Christian Leitner year. I thought that was ninety two. Okay, yeah. It's it's ninety ninety one because Leitner was on the dream team in ninety two as a college player. Yep. So okay, Christian, so Christian like Leitner was a junior that he was a junior got this it. year. Got it. Okay, got it. Yeah. It doesn't say what Grant Hill was. Uh, also, Brian Davis and Antonio Lang, who went to the NBA. So you had five guys go to the NBA from this team. It's a fairly solid, uh, not bad. fairly solid campaign. No, and Thomas Hill, not one of them. Thomas Hill was a nice player. Uh, Cherokee Parks would join the team in 1991, 1992. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> also going to the NBA. Yeah. Yep. Lottery pick, maybe I think. I'm looking to. F- see when okay so you have to go from that you go to 95 96 before duke had a team that didn't have an nba player on it and uh and that was still like jeff capel and chris collins so they were not oh and there's steve another Wojciech, and, and steve wojciechowski jeff capel yes well collins collins and collins yeah there's North a lot of them kid. yeah northwestern uh, what's trajan Langdon up to these days <laughs> Great question. You know what? Here, let me give you a name who I think would have been fascinating. And I, I know he's got a he's a higher he's like uh, in the NBA front office now. Shane Battier. That would have been really good. That's a good point. I mean, there were rumors about Battier getting. Some, I want to say he was men, he's been mentioned for head coaching jobs. Before. Yeah, I think he's he's. I'm pretty sure he's working for the NBA right now. Or for the Heat or something. Yeah, I think you're right. That would have been a very good hire. That would have been similar to. Probably similar to Juwan Howard really taking the Michigan job. He's the director of basketball analytics and development for the Miami Heat, not the yeah, NBA. So I'm, I'm a giant liar. No, I mean, that's like, that's the kind of guy. I mean, maybe he wants to go coach or um, to be a GM or something. But. I'm, actually, I, I still think I'm right because this says he was only with the Heat until 2014. So hmm. who the hell knows? What are you up to, Shane? If you're listening, feel free to drop us a line and let us know what the hell you've been doing. Yeah, you should be um, coaching Duke. What are you doing? For real. I feel like if he called, he would he would still probably get the job. <laughs> if he it, if Battier called right now and he's like, I'll take it. Again. It's like good luck, John Shire. It's just a weird it's a weird thing to me that Coach K was like I'm going to hand this off to John Shire. This is the guy. Like, <laughs> you you said musical chairs, but, like, hasn't Coach K earned enough in his mind to, like, pick somebody else? I don't even know. Like, to, uh, to poach I'll... a Battier or to poach even, like, a Jay Williams. You know, somebody that's got, like, more. Oh, that's interesting. More, a little more pull. Yeah. Jay Williams is an interesting name. I, don't, I mean, I don't know if you don't know if he wants it, but. Jay Williams uh, is a really, really good. I don't know if you've, if you've heard any of his interviews or any of his shows. He's he's very good. All right, here, agreed. 
Um, here are the here are the guys who have ties to to Coach K in the coaching world. Everyone. Tommy Amaker, Mike Bray, <laughs> Jeff Cable. Oh my Cable. god, what's Tommy Amaker doing? Uh, Tommy Amaker, uh, I don't know, and we, we've only got a little bit of time. That's fine. So I'm not, we've really not worried about this it. wormhole, yeah. Yeah, Mike Bray, Jeff Capel, Chris Collins, Johnny Dawkins, Bobby Hurley, Quinn Snyder. I mean, obviously, he's got another job Ooh. right now, but that would, that would have been fun. Yeah. Steve Woja and Steve Woja. I don't think Quinn Snyder's welcome back in the college ranks after. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably fair. <laughs> but but he has really uh, really established himself in the, the coaching hierarchy yeah. since then. So it, it's, a, it's amazing how many, how many things are forgotten about when success comes into play. Oh, Absolutely, for sure. Like Chris Paul punching Julius Hodge in the balls. Oh yeah, no. Chris Paul is one of the classiest guys in the NBA, and and the NBA PA president. By the way, so, I'm just I'm just so glad that Chris Paul found a way to make it after getting that horrible. Someone I don't know if you saw. Someone actually took a gun out and shot him in the arm, and he was rolling around on the ground yesterday, and <laughs> magically. Found his way oh. to a bionic arm cast to get his right. shoulder back in place. It, I, we're talking about that in one second. We're, we, let, I just, let, 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 just one second. Okay. Yeah, just one second. Okay. We're, we'll get to that in one second. Uh, do you think the only reason he's staying for next year, it, the case, Coach K staying for next year, is because of the recruits he already has coming in? No, I think it's because he loves the attention and he wants one more shot. Three, yeah, three top thirty recruits, including the number three overall in Paolo Blancharo. But that's uh, right, probably fa- part of it. Sure, yeah. Fair yeah. enough. Um, yes, Chris Paul is a national hero. There's no question <laughs> about it. But I mean, he's really in a flop off with LeBron James at this point. Oh my God, those two guys! I literally so they're you know the Lakers are getting their ass kicked, and I'm like, oh, it was, it was so beautiful. By the way, I oh yeah, it was amazing. Although again, I hate Chris Paul too, so it's really like a. I do, but I hate LeBron more. Yeah, I think I think I agree with that. But um, yeah, I just want to see the Lakers out. But then I, I go, I, I was just telling my buddies, I was like, all right, they're down twenty. I, I'm selling, telling you now, minus one million, like million to one odds. He's definitely LeBron is a hundred percent gonna go and claim that he has a fake injury in the second half. And sure oh, yeah. enough, with five minutes of the game, he just storms off. And you know, obviously, it wasn't an injury, but this guy. Just everything's about him all the time. Like it, it, he's just—it's unbelievable how he can't tolerate anyone else getting any kind of attention for anything. And he and yeah, he and Chris Paul—you said it perfectly—just an in the most epic flop off for who can like get who can call Curry the most favor in the public domain. You know, like yeah. it's just absolutely absurd. Yeah, why the hell? I'm I mean, so you're you're six foot eight, two hundred and sixty pounds of pure muscle. Act like a <laughs> freaking adults jesus christ i know it's yeah they're at least chris paul's smaller and then on the other tv you know you've got damian lillard just oh my god heart and soul like just just fire throwing threes left and right just trying to beg anyone else on his team to make one goddamn shot and they can't do that it's like the the contrast between those two I don't know if it's generations of players, but mm. just those those three guys was is stark to me, and it just made it all the more nauseating to watch Paul and LeBron and their whole little thing. Lillard reminds me so much in in attitude of Iverson, yeah, just where he will do anything possible to win. He will be in the lineup if he's even close to healthy. Mm-hmm. You cannot stop him from competing. I also think, uh, unlike 
unlike Iverson, I, I do, and I, I won't take credit for this. I saw somebody else say it at some point, but I do really think that Damian Lillard's the kind of guy who, like, he's not friends with anybody on the team. They're like business acquaintances. He's just <laughs> he's there to do a job. Yeah, totally agree. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because we we went through and we're just like totally shit talking his contract a few months ago. I think and yeah. really probably done it multiple times. It's not a good deal, but like he just is the one guy I feel like could somehow make that look more palatable, you know, just because he's just going to drag, drag himself out there. And you know what? If the Blazers end up having to pay the for the corpse of Damian Lillard in three years, God, he deserves it for how much he's been through. Like, I don't know if you watched the press conference yesterday after that game, which they lose, of course, despite yeah. him just dominating, like – I just feel so sad for him because this is actually like a very much, a, I think, an attainable year for the Blazers of all the years. Like they're actually somewhat healthy and, you know, the rest of the conference is really kind of up in flames. And he is just, he's so good and he's trying so hard and nothing else is going in for anyone else. And, you know, and it's all going to go up in smoke because like they just are so unclutch except for him. And you just, you shake your head that he'll probably never get that chance to even make a finals, let alone win a championship. Let me throw something out at you. Uh, well, who says no to a deal that is – the two main pieces are C.J. McCollum and Jalen Brown? <sighs> probably the Blazers. Really? I don't know. I, I think the Blazers get bigger. They The shooting is – almost equivalent at this point wow. and brown brings defense that mccollum doesn't yeah, just like a, a change of change of scenery type of thing exactly I, and i think brown would thrive in portland i, I mean i think they'd probably i i don't know i would like i'd like to see it honestly i don't know is mccollum and tatum like a little redundant for boston i mean would they be okay but it, but at least they're different positions yeah I I could see it just from the perspective of like let's just change it up and try something different, but like from a do both teams get better perspective, I like I don't know about that. I they're gonna have a really weird decision to make with Norman Powell, and uh, I don't I don't think this Norman Powell at small forward thing is gonna work yep. as he's you know six three, so you can't you're not, you're gonna have to pay him too much to be a sixth mm-hmm. man. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that is the move. Maybe you, maybe you flop. McCull- this is the year that McCollum gets. Yeah, down. I, I would say it's we we've keep trying and it's not working. This is the one. This is definitely the first year where it's it's like a feasible thing because before this it was like Lillard and McCollum, you know, and now mm-hmm. it seems very clear. Even if it's, I don't want to make too much of one game, but it really has been the whole series. Like it's it's Lillard and big drop off McCollum. And so, yeah, well, Dame was uh, 28.8 a game. CJ was 23.1. So, you know, CJ had a good year. It's just a matter of, I I also think he's, I I would also love to know what he is as a point guard because I always thought he was missing. Yeah, I mean, he and, again, I think he and Tatum have a lot of redundant skills, but at the same time, Tatum is much more the slasher. And then if you, if you make McCollum like the the spot up shooter, it becomes much more interesting. You know how this ends. McCollum ends up in the with the Lakers somehow, and that's that is exactly what I was <laughs> and thinking. The, and the Blazers just take like nothing, just absolute peanuts. So that is that is one hundred percent. That's that's freaky. That that is one hundred percent what I was thinking. I'm trying. All right, we're we're gonna get out of here in a second, but we got to figure out what this deal looks like. Because uh, because I agree with you a hundred percent. 
that there's that's no what way happens. there's uh, absolutely no way the lakers can put piece anything remotely close to what the blazers would want for him what what the value would be right because i mean who god knows when they're going to have who's their most val- who's the third most valuable player on the lakers they refuse to trade Taylor Horton yeah, Tucker it would be for for Kyle Lowry oh, God, what a I, joke is it's it THT okay, and Kuzma, so, I got to think and and Schroeder oh. plus picks does that get you see does that get you CJ no. I don't think so well Kuzma's a terrible fit in Portland yeah I he's a terrible yeah, fit I, anymore, hate, quite I, do, he's I just, just cannot stand him I can't stand anyone yeah on he that is team. one of the yeah, that's that's entirely f- I, I, okay. There is one guy I ha- I've always had a soft spot for Andre Drummond. I just always have. I like him. He's just a big goofy yeah. idiot. He tries hard. He doesn't have any ego. He he was um I the story. He was going out with that that Disney girl. Um, <laughs> Selena Gomez. God, what was her? No, no, no. Um, I gotta look it up. Uh, but he was going out with some Jeanette McCurdy. He was going out with this girl for, who was on. Um, you could have given me a million was on, guesses, and I would have no idea who that is. <laughs> yeah, she was on some show with. She was some on some show with Ariana Grande, okay. uh, which which is what I'm seeing right now. And she broke up with him because he was too dorky. <laughs> like I, I, just, I, I, like I've always loved Andre That's, Drummond. Like, like he, he. Andre Drummond is a guy who gets shit because of how how much money he well, makes. Well, I you know, the other thing is he like the Lakers want him to stay. I mean, they really do. He should they should. Yeah, so they're that's why I think that's why they started him last game. I, like I don't know that he's necessarily their best option there. I think you know, if you're if a starter doesn't necessarily play a lot, like Gasol's been better than him throughout the series, I think. Yeah. And so, you know, you probably would want to do that, but they they really want to make Drummond feel welcome and valuable. And, you know, maybe they feel like next year with Davis and Drummond, they'll have something. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I don't think if you're, what you're getting at kind of is like Drummond is a piece to a trade to. Oh no, 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 no way. I think it's more likely Drum for sure. I think it's more likely that Drummond takes like a a Dwight Howard path in his career where he's just a really good backup center. I can see that. He's he's probably better than that though. He's still young enough, right, to be somewhat productive. He's he's twenty seven. I think the issue with Drummond has always been like his defensive box plus minuses are, are sneaky terrible. Like he's a he's a, a really bad counting stats defender. Yeah. Uh he he is his ob, his offensive box plus minus is a negative two point seven. His uh, DBPM is a one for a negative point one That's just uh, this one point seven. That's yeah. this year, uh, but I mean, he's he's, al- he's always been kind of bad. Yeah, um, he's always been kind of bad. I'm looking at the other. His the counting other stats years, are always like, good. Like I mean, he is like a monster. well. His rebounding stats are right. always well, good. Yeah, yeah. Eh, you know, eighteen and twelve, right? Pretty much every throughout his career. Yeah, uh, let's. This, did he score that much? Um, his thirty sixes. What's shockingly hard to find. Uh, it's shockingly hard to find stats. Oh, there you go. Because there's 900 tables. <laughs> uh, he he's never scored 18 in his career. He's been cl- he had four years where he was very okay, close. Got it. Yeah. Uh, 14. Well, f- weird. 14.5 and 13.7 no. career averages. That's plus uh, plus 1.5 steals, plus 1.5 blocks. Not bad. Yeah. No. There's there. He's third value there. He just he 
you know, it's a shame he didn't come along 30 years ago. Yeah, oh my God, no kidding. He would have been an absolute star. But yeah, I mean, anyways, I don't like, somehow it'll end up happening that McCollum is there, but it won't be, I don't know how it'll happen. It'll just, it'll just, you know, we'll just, it'll happen and we'll be like, how the hell did that work out? Like James Harden being on the Nets. Yeah, do you think, Le- okay, this is this is what we're going out on. Do the Lakers lose to the Suns this series, and do the Lakers somehow manifest a third star this offseason? I think the Suns win the series. Um, okay. But I, man, I I don't know. I don't know that what the avenue is. I mean, like, do they have the money to do it? Like, they would be a great option for McCollum. But again, like, who do they have to deal? I just don't know. Uh, I'm looking at the Lakers. I, I I think the Lakers actually might have a decent amount of money. Um, assuming, I mean, you would have to have you would have to decline a bunch of people. Yeah. But um, cap space. Uh, and because you know, I was talking to one of my buddies about Kawhi potentially going to the Heat, and you know, I wonder if the Lakers could clear some space to find room for Kawhi because. Uh, Suddenly, oh I think God. he might be amenable to not playing with Paul George. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, what makes so, you think that? <laughs> so next n- next year is actually really tough. The next, actually, They're basically, never mind. This is uh, LeBron's 41-1. AD is 35-3. KVP is 13. Hazel, uh, Har- sorry, Harrell is uh, basically 10. Kuzma's 13. They have uh 121.8 on the books right now including a team option for uh Alfonso McKinney. If you take that away, they're at like 120 with six players under contract. So oh they will not be signing a max free agent is what I'm saying. <laughs> that's that thank God for that. Agreed. All right. Well, that's going to be it for this week's episode of The Underdog for Anshu Kana. I'm Chris Horwood. We thank you for listening and we'll see you back here next time.